0: So, uh, this week, my dear friend Dan was telling me about the time God set him free from anxiety. Uh, he said he was a young father and living in Michigan, working at the GM factory. And he said, at this point in life, anxiety was just destroying my life. Uh, he'd had to miss work multiple times because he would get these intense panic attacks, and it would, they were debilitating. He said, "Sometimes I couldn't walk into a room where there were people." He'd even been hospitalized for anxiety. He said, "I was just running on Xanax. Uh, that was just I had to take it every day." And um, but he he had just a few weeks earlier recommitted his life to Christ. So he grew up in the church, um, and he had prayed to receive Christ as a child, and it was a it was a sincere conversion. But during his teenage years, he just put God on a shelf, and he did life his own way without regard for God. Uh, so little was a God a factor in his decision-making, he even married an unbelieving uh, wife. But, but here he is, he's, he's returned to the Lord, he's recommitted his life to the Lord, uh, and he's, but he still got, has anxiety. He said, on this one particular March day, uh, the anxiety is surfacing, he's, he's feeling it coming on strong, and so he goes off uh, on a walk, and so he's in his neighborhood there in Michigan, he's walking, uh, and he said, I was struggling because um, I had this biblical truth ringing in my mind and heart that was competing with the, the, the anxiety, with all the fears, Uh, He he said, I hadn't read the Bible for many, many years, but now that I've recommitted my life to the Lord, I start to read the Bible. And Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, where it says, we have received a spirit of adoption as sons whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And he said, I did a little bit of study on this. Abba is, is a very personal, familiar term. It's like daddy or papa. And so he said, I'm on this, I'm on this walk and, I, and I'm ha- I have these fears and they're, they're trying to g- grip me and get control of me. But I have this biblical truth of, of you know what? God is your daddy. He cares about you. And, and there was a, 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 tug of ro- a tug of war. And he said, now, Mike, um, I never once thought about taking my problems to God. Uh, he said i i don't I don't say that my church actually taught this, but this is how I received it as a kid. God is stern and his standards are you know way high, and that if I turned to God with my problems, I would encounter a big frowny face <laughs> because God would say, dan uh you the problems you are having in life are of your own making. And Dan said, I was the first to admit that. Yes, I'd been running from the Lord. I've been I'd been living life without regard for what God wanted from me. And and so he said, if I turn, I I just I never even thought about turning God because I figured he would say, Hey, you made your bed, you gotta sleep in it, right? You <laughs> know, don't turn to me now, you made these problems. Uh, you gotta deal with it. But he said, All of a sudden, I'm I I've got this biblical truth in my in my mind. And what we're going to see today is the Holy Spirit was working on his spirit saying, Dan, you have a heavenly father who cares about you, who, who will take care of you. Turn to him for help. So he said it was March uh, 2003, 20 years ago. He's, he's out on this walk and uh, the, the, the anxieties are, are threatening to, to just consume him. But he's got this biblical truth in his mind. And he said, uh, with tears pouring down my face I, face, I began to yell, Do you know who my daddy is? Do you know who he and Neighbors probably thought he was crazy. You know, he's, he's crying, grown man, and he's yelling this out down the streets. What he was doing, he said, I was cross-examining all of those fears, those an- anxieties. And do you know who my daddy is? As he began to worry you know, am I going to be able to provide for this young family I have? Am, am I going to be able to, to follow through on my commitment to follow Jesus? Is my marriage going to say, Do you know who my daddy is? And and as he began to to enter in uh, emotionally and mentally into the reality that he is a child of God and God loves him and take, will take care of him, he said it. I was set free. God healed me. He said, from that day on, uh, I've never again had one of these panic attacks that requires hospitalization or missing work or Xanax, you know, got off the drugs. Uh, Sure, he's had times of high anxiety, but God has has given him the ability to manage it. Um, And it's amazing. A, A tremendous deliverance. Well, I tell you that story because... We're in this series uh, called Catch the Wind and we're looking at the Holy Spirit. And today we're looking at the one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in our lives is He bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. He convinces us that our real identity is a son and daughter of God. And the Holy Spirit helps us live out of our identity and I'll tell you that makes all the difference. Now, here we are celebrating Mother's Day. Uh, And um, my mom is a big factor in my life. I'm a mariner. I'm very uh, pleased to have that family identity. But that's not, it's not being a mariner that gives me hope and peace and joy and confidence. It's the fact that I am a son of God. And, And that's the identity that we need to really own and live out of, and it will make an A a tremendous difference in our lives. So our biblical text today is Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17 today. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. First off, who's he talking to? It's important. For you, that you is not all humans. He's talking here to the believer, to people who have repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, the follower of Jesus, the Christian. You did not receive that. Why, why is it limited? Well, because he's talking to people who, who have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and as we've seen in the previous week, uh, we are gifted the Holy Spirit upon conversion. The moment we get saved, the moment we become Christians, uh, we receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. The Bi- Bible speaks of this in, in many ways, and, and one of the ways is talk uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, if you're a Christian, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually indwells you. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So let's talk about where we started. (laughs) Uh, Where where did we live in relationship with God before we became Christians, before we got saved? We lived in fear. Uh, And rightfully so, actually, uh, because the Bible says the wrath of God rests upon us because of our sin. The wrath of God rests upon us. And that's the state of we lived in, that's the state of all people, until the wrath of God is removed and put on Jesus and satisfied. The picture that comes to mind when I think about being afraid of God uh, is the picture of Adam and Eve hiding from God in the garden. Remember that? Uh, Apparently, Adam and Eve... Walked with God, had fellowship with God before there was sin. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree from which God said, Don't eat. You can eat from every tree except this one. Don't eat because the moment you do that, the day you do that, you shall surely die. Well, they've now disobeyed God. God comes to hang out with them. And what are they doing? They're hiding they're hiding because now that they are sinners, they fear God. They fear God's disapproval. They fear God's judgment. They fear punishment. And so God has to ask, where are you, Adam? He's hiding. And that's what people do. Prior to getting saved, people are afraid of God. They hide from God. And it's only when they hear the good news that our sins can be forgiven, taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more, that they can, that we can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only then that we come out of the shadows and into the light. And so what Paul's saying is, he says, look, when, you know, when the Holy Spirit came to indwell you, the, the, the Holy Spirit does not... Create within you a fear of God that causes you to want to go hide, hide from God, to recoil, to run away. Now, there is a fear of God that is a good thing, and that's what the Old Testament talks about. Proverbs chapter 8, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, that's a reverence, though. Here we're talking about uh, the kind of fear that makes you want to run from God. And the Holy Spirit does not produce that kind of fear in us. The Holy Spirit actually says, God is loves you because you're his child. Don't run away from God when you're in a problem. Run to God and find help in your time of need. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So one of the titles for the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit... Adopts us into the family of God. It's amazing that God has chosen us and claims us, and God performs the the, the legal um, the legal act spiritually, whereby we become uh, members of His family, children. So we're not just servants. We're not just creatures. We are actually. Uh, the children of God. So the spirit of adoption has indwelt us, and it's by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We're going to come back to that. Let's go to 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit tells my spirit, Mike, God loves you. Mike, you're a son of God. Mike, everything that God has belongs to you in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, I would not believe that truth, nor I, do I think you would, unless you're some kind of a narcissist. I don't think we would believe that we are actually children of the God who threw the stars into the sky, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit uh, testifying to the reality of this Truth in our life. So when I was in college, um, I had a roommate who was absolutely incredulous at my claim that I knew I was going to go to heaven when I died. He's like, Mike, you cannot know that. Now, uh, he, was, he, he claimed to be a Christian. He had grown up in the church, very liberal church. I'm not really sure he understood the gospel. But he, he just said, Mike, you don't know what you're going to do 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So how can you possibly say you're going to go to heaven? You don't know what you're going to do in life. And I said, I do. I know, I know that I am a child of God, that my sins are forgiven. But look, my salvation doesn't depend on me and my performance. It it depends on Jesus and his performance, and it's perfect, (laughs) right? The righteous life of Christ is credited to my account. The death of Jesus pays the penalty for my sins. It is perfect. by grace through faith, that we're saved. And I have faith in Jesus, so I know I'm going to heaven when I... He just thought that was absolutely insane, really. He just thought, you're crazy. You're deluded. But you know what? That's, you know, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. The apostle John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God does not want us to worry, who am I? Am I in and am I out? God does not. We don't have to wait until you know we die to figure out whether or not we're going to heaven. The Bible says that that we can know. And one of the primary ways we know is the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit gives us that assurance. Now, I know that there are true Christians who struggle with... Uh, their sense of um, assurance of salvation. And if that's the case, then meet, talk to me and we should, we should talk about verses in Scripture that uh, promise us eternal life. But one of the things you can do is ask the Holy Spirit to confirm your identity because that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, to convince us, to assure us of who we really are. You are a, a child of God. God loves you he knows you. Uh, he, he's not just your creator, he's your father. And so you can, you can live out of that and you can relate to God based on that. You know, a little, bit, uh, a little bit earlier, at the beginning of this chapter, Romans 8, we read this There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You're a child, so God does not condemn you now, and He won't condemn you then. Uh, The Holy Spirit within you doesn't produce fear in you. The Holy Spirit says, God knows you, loves you, claims you as His own. And therefore, we can come to the Lord, uh, and with all of our problems, all of our needs, and be confident that God will hear and answer us. So back to this, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Cry, by the way, is a very active word. It's an intense word. You don't cry when you're just you know, sipping your coffee, uh, having lunch. You cry when you're in, in, in need. And, and so I think of my, my friend uh, Dan. So, Dan's got problems, right? We all have problems. But then he had that multiplier of of anxiety. Uh, By the way, C.S. Lewis really encourages us to live in the present. You ever read that where he says, listen, live in the present. Because what you will realize is that God is being faithful to you right now. He's giving you everything you need right now. And if you, and it's okay to look in the past too, because you'll realize God has been faithful. But what what Satan wants us to do is think about the future, because he can spin all kinds of yarns about the what ifs. Oh, but what if that were to happen, and what if that were to happen, and and so, yeah, you've got problems in life. You have, but then there's the multiplying effect of anxiety, the what ifs, whereas when we live out of this identity as a as a child of god and we really take in this truth that god's going to take care of me then then it can neuter hamstring render powerless the the anxiety in our lives you catch that because we say god god is with me he will be with me i don't know what's going to come in the future God does, and He will take care of me in the future. So what's what what here? So here's Dan. He's got he's got problems, and then he's got the anxiety, the what if scenarios that are being spun in his mind. But now he's encountered this glorious truth that God is his Father, that He's a child of God, that God cares about him. But he doesn't just stop there. He then he then begins to Pray out of that, right? Do you know who my daddy is? He's crying, Abba, Father. He's cross-examining his his fears with the truth. Now, when we cry, Abba, Father, think about what's happening. Abba, Father. First off, I am by faith uh, acknowledging the relationship that I have with God. I am a child of God he is my heavenly Father Abba father it's it's personal informal means he that's that's saying God cares about me I'm his child he cares about me and you're crying out for help which means you're saying you're declaring your dependence on God right and all that stuff happening fundamental to the Christian life if, if you want to if you want a, a, a a satisfying victorious christian life declare your dependence on god on a regular basis go through life saying crying abba father god i need wisdom god i need patience god help me break the that sin pattern in my life god guard my tongue right take care of me financially heal my body what? but life with all of its messiness and problems, you don't try to deal with it yourself. You take it to your heavenly Father. Even all the, all the future scenarios, as you start to imagine the what-if scenarios, you, you go to the Lord and you ask Him to take care of you. Jesus uh, says this in Matthew chapter 9. I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Jesus asks this question, which one of you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven good give good things to those who ask him? And uh, Jesus uses this to set up the admonition, stop worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. Uh, your Heavenly Father knows that, and He will provide. Then in Philippians chapter 4, and these, the next two verses are verses I really encourage you to memorize. They have brought me a lot of um, peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we read, and it starts this way. It says, the Lord is at hand. Which means is God's, right, God's with you. He's right here. He's not far away. Whatever circumstance you're in, God's not some distant, remote, you know, uh, watchmaker. He's, he's right with you. He, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding... Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And notice that the peace follows the crying out, right? God, this is what's concerning me. God, this is what I'm afraid of. God, this is the problem I'm in. Help, Abba, Father. There's something about crying that out. What what we receive back is peace that passes all understanding. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, we read this, "...humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you." Note there that casting our anxieties on the Lord is an act of humility. Isn't that interesting? Humble yourselves, casting your cares on Him. So when we cry, Abba, Father, what we're saying is, I'm acknowledging I don't have what it takes to take care of me. I acknowledge that I am needy and that you're the one that, that can rescue me. Don't outgrow that. What does Jesus say? You got to be like a little child, right? That, Jesus holds up childlike faith as the kind of faith that honors, honors God. And children don't have any problems saying, help, I need you, take care of me. Um, My mom, her four boys, we like to call her Saint Mommy, Uh, Saint Mommy, and for good reason. She models a genuine faith in our Lord Jesus, and she prays for everything She prays that she'll get the close parking spot at the supermarket, you know, and I just, sometimes I think, mom, does God, I've actually said this, do you really think God cares about that? She's like, oh yeah, he cares about everything in my life. (laughs) It is true. She just, she has a relationship with God where she is convinced God, God cares about every little detail in her life and she's right. Here's another thing I've seen with my mom though, she never ever complains about what God decides. So she asks him for everything and then receives whatever his decision is. No problem. But she is convinced that her Heavenly Father cares about her and takes care of her and will take care of her. She's modeled such a, such a great uh, a great faith. Do you know who my daddy is? you know who my daddy is? Who are you? Who are you? The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So our series title, Catch the Wind, and the uh, graphic is The Sailboat. And so one of the things we're asking during this series is how do we raise the sails and tack into the wind? By the way, got to keep saying this. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force into which we plug so as to power our agenda. Right? The Holy Spirit is a person, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a will, has his own agenda, is going places. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You don't really know what he's doing, but he's doing something. And our goal is not to get the Holy Spirit to fuel our lives or or our agenda, but rather take me where you want to take me. So how do we raise our sails and tack into the wind so that that we're being led by the Spirit? Well, as it relates to uh, this text, a primary way we raise the sails is by crying, Abba, Father, living a life of dependency and declaring our dependency on the Lord. Day by day by day, little things, big things, just living out of our identity of who, that I am a child of God, God cares about me. And so I can just relax, give him my problems, and then sit back and watch him take care of me. Verse 17, we read this And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So Paul's just carrying the logic and he says, Look, I, you know, you're a child of God. And if you're a child of God, that means you're an heir. It means everything that belongs to God belongs to you. And you're co heirs with Jesus, uh, which is, this is just, how do we get our heads around this, right? Um, but you're not, um, I don't know where you came from. I don't know your background. We all have very differing backgrounds. Uh, but if you're a Christian, you've been adopted into the family of God, and the unfathomable riches of God uh, belong to you. Now, with inheritances, you often have to wait, right? You don't get your inheritance until your father dies. Of course, our Heavenly Father won't die. When do we get the inheritance? When we die <laughs> or when Christ returns. Um, and so, yes, we are already tasting of that inheritance, but the fullness of the inheritance uh, we receive uh, when, when we die or when Christ returns. Um, but one of the things I, I like about this is I like, to, I like to think my best days are in front of me. Right, No matter how bad it gets here and now, uh, my, des- my best days are in front of me. So, so that for the Christian, even physical death isn't the end, right? Uh, physical death is—it is the final enemy, but Christ has overcome uh, all enemies. But in front of us, even after we die physically, we enter into eternity and and into the fullness of our inheritance. So our best days are in front of us, and that's super encouraging. Now Paul does put a, a qualifier, he says, provided we suffer with him, Jesus, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So what did God ask of his son Jesus when Jesus was on earth? The father said, son, I want you to suffer so that others may be saved, right? And that suffering is in the cross. But that's part of the calling of the Christian. God asks us, his sons and daughters, to also suffer on behalf of a broken world. And we don't, you know, our suffering doesn't pay for sin, etc., but it is, it is often through our uh, suffering that the gospel goes out people are loved and served. And so we have to build into our Christian life uh, uh, some suffering, <laughs> right? Some Christians, actually, I think it's a great tendency, a, a temptation to want to think that the Christian life is, you know, I become a Christian and then I'm going to just uh, be blessed and I'm going to be uh, comfortable all the way until Christ takes me home. And But that's not a biblical picture of the Christian life. provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. So when Jesus was on earth, God said, please, uh, I'm asking you to suffer so that uh, others may be saved. He calls us also to suffer on behalf of other people. But then, what's coming? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And there's glory coming for us as well. We also will be glorified with him. It's Mother's Day, and I'm talking all about fatherhood. (laughs) But there is no more significant identity that the Christian has than the fact that God is our Father, and He cares about us, and He wants us to to live our lives out of that identity. He wants us to take our cares to Him and receive back uh, the the truth that He cares for us and His peace. Uh, God doesn't want us to be all... Uh, anxious about the future, All right. Uh, I think the Bible says that uh, sufficient uh, for today are the problems of today, but God will take care of us. So let's live out of this great truth that we are children of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we would not, really live out of this truth if you weren't bearing witness with our spirit of its reality? I mean, who of us can truly believe that the Creator cares about us, will take care of us, and then when we die, will bring us back to life and and we'll dwell forever with Him? as as co-heirs with Christ. I mean, these are truths that are beyond comprehending, beyond believing. And so, Spirit of God, we thank you that you bear witness with our spirit that we are your children, that you cause us to cry out, Abba, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would... um, that we, we commit ourselves to responding to your voice more and more. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word, which is so comforting, confirming. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.